1: Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson.
0: Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, I'm very excited to bring you part two with singer-songwriter Jason Mraz to talk about his experience with music, planting trees, and taking urban farming on the road. Jason is a two-time Grammy winner, singer-songwriter, and an urban farming enthusiast. He has been backyard homesteading for the past five years and currently owns and operates a 10-acre subtropical fruit orchard where he grows avocados, coffee, and 25 other varieties of fruit. He believes... A connection to farmers and the origin of our food itself can empower a person to live a happier, healthier, eco-friendly, and more economical life. And he loves driving his tractor. Welcome to the show today, Jason.
2: Well, thank you very much, Greg. It's good to be here.
0: Absolutely. I love that you're here and contributing to the conversation. Thank you. I want to know, how do you find time to be a songwriter, touring artist, and a farmer? Well, I make
2: time first of all, and it it, it might it, it might drive my managers crazy <laughs> because I do spend a lot of time on the farm, uh, as they call it. Mm-hmm. But I make it it's part of my personal practices. Oh, very you good. You know, like like I wake up and I have a practice of yoga that that gets my body ready. Mm-hmm. But I also have a practice of going and checking on my little melon sprouts that are starting, my squash sprouts that are starting to come up that I'm getting ready for the summertime. And then I make sure I water them. And I, you know, I practice going down to check on my chickens and make sure their food and water's good and get their eggs. It's all, it just becomes part of your daily routine. And so I, I try to, between morning and say 11 a.m., I make sure I do my rounds with the garden and yeah. check on the farm. I do have a manager that helps me manage the coffee farm and the avo trees and I check in with him because you know I do have I do have to write checks, and I, and I want to know what I'm spending and, yep. and the, the different applications we're doing and you know I just want to stay clued into that. And then by 11, 12 o'clock I go and I open my studio, and I start writing, and what I get from my morning activities the peace of mind and the oh yes the the deep breaths mm-hmm. that I get and the love that I get from all the green trees and the plants and the chickens and nature, it, it, it gives me strength and it gives me ease as I work on music. And then I work on music till dinnertime and, um, and it's a great life. Now, when I travel, I, that's the season where I have to take my music, which is something that I've nurtured and grown. It's when I, that's when I take it to market. You know, I go out and I play concerts and I promote my music. And that's just like, what I would do if I harvested something and took it to the market—it's it's ready to go. Um, I do get a little sad that I have to leave the farm, but when I do that, when I leave, I get to employ my friends. I get to employ a community of like-minded stewards and foodies who come to my farm who work, and that's a real—that's a. I love that you know. Yeah. Rather than live out here alone and be uh, totally isolated, um, I I attract other people who want to be close to nature who mm-hmm. want to put their hands in the soil and so I make I'm able to do it all because I'm uh, I share it it's like we we have a little village and a little community yeah. all centered around food and and urban farming so
0: when you're, you're suburban t- suburban there you go you're taking that out on the road too so you started the your foundation um, yes and and a big part of what you do on your foundation is you expand your garden experience experience out in the world
2: exactly can you tell so, us
0: about that because it's really cool
2: thank you you know i honestly did it it's funny i honestly did it for selfish reasons because i would hit the road and i'd feel so i'd go through withdrawals uh-huh. of uh wanting to be close to home, being close to my farm and and I have to do these promotional events when I'm on the road, which in the past would be me at a radio station or at a coffee shop and playing songs. Oh, right. And people would gather, you know, we would gather forty to a hundred people at a time. Uh-huh. And so I said, hey, why can't we all meet at a park and go plant some trees? Or why can't we all meet at a school and go plant some trees? Let's let's use these these gatherings of volunteers and see if we can go do some good. So, um, we started to do that, um, or we started to change our promotional events into gardening events
0: nice.
2: where, where we might help other local organizations who mm-hmm. are already urban farming, who are already doing community gardens. We would basically step in and say, hi, we'd like to help. I can bring 50 people. What can we do? Um, and that gave us a chance to connect with people all over the world right. and lend a hand. And then my foundation steps in to basically pay for supplies mm. or to help help launch certain gardens that these organizations were doing or to help stay committed to certain tasks after we left. Right. How does that make you feel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, I tell you, on the days that I have those garden days, those the nights that I play the show
0: uh-huh.
2: um, are the best nights ever. Wow. Best nights. Yeah. There's just such an energy I get from having A, garden, B, made a difference, C, surrounded myself with like-minded people.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You just get such an energy there. And then you go play a show, like all that joy comes out in the music. Oh, and my gosh. I'll bet. It's so cool. It's so cool.
0: Yeah. So you you also have included tree plantings. Why did you decide to do trees and what's that look like? So
2: the tree plantings came about because I looked at my carbon footprint and when mm-hmm. I was at home, I'm like, "Oh, wow, I'm I'm carbon negative, you know. We're right. way good here. Our yeah. house is solar and and the way we do things is is great." But on the road, I have the biggest carbon footprint of anybody that I know, mm-hmm. and so I needed to do something to offset that. So I came up with my own little calculation that I would plant one tree for every domestic flight that I took, and then five trees for every international flight. Wow! And then I would multi- then I would multiply that by the amount of people I was traveling with, and in each year it seems like I was plant I needed to plant about two thousand and three thousand trees. Wow! And decided that I would do that as part of our you know garden and uh, foundation events uh-huh. on tour you know at the end of the touring year we'd be lucky if we could plant you know 150 trees right. so to to make up the difference um, I would make donations to other reforestation programs Around the world, so that I could plant those trees to offset my carbon, and and it was a blast. So we would do these tree planting events, you know, on a tour day, you know, while we're out in the world somewhere, and um, we, my foundation would make the purchase of, you know, maybe 40 trees or 70 mm-hmm. trees, or sometimes sometimes only 10 trees. It just depended on what we could find in the community right. that they needed. It also depended on the time of year, because in some places. Like Austin, at when we were in Austin, Texas, it it wasn't the right time to plant a tree. Oh, it was right. like one hundred and thirty degrees or something. So we would we would end up, um, you know, maybe doing some deep root aeration and adding um, oh. some food, some adding some food to the trees, and and just helping those trees thrive that were already there. Working with tree organizations in Austin. So it was, yeah, it was a way for me to offset my carbon and, and to still have some fun. And one of the biggest payoffs for me, and it happened every single time we did these events, is that at least one person, and it was usually more, but at uh-huh. least one person would say, I have never done this before and I want to do it again.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's what, that's what mattered to me is that these volunteers were coming in who had never put their hands in the soil and planted a tree. And now those trees live in their community and they can go back to that. You know, they can drive by that elementary school or they can visit that park where we planted these trees and they can see what they did. And right. they can one day take their children there and sit under that tree and, and be connected to nature in a profound way. And those trees will outlive us and i think that's i think that's a really honorable legacy
0: yeah how cool is yeah. that so and not just in this country in other countries as well and it, you converted a parking lot into a garden in south africa
2: yes so there's a there was a like a pharmaceutical company uh-huh. in johannesburg that uh, some of the employees decided that they wanted to turn the adjacent land, which was just this like old dirt gravel parking lot, right? They wanted to convert it into a garden, and they did. Um, and they have all these different types of grow beds and these—it's just beautifully yet some kind of chaotically arranged these different grow beds, different gardens that. Um, we helped put some plant material in, and we helped we just helped with their daily activities basically yeah. of of cycling plants through because they feed about ten thousand people or whoa. it has fed about ten thousand people at that time of nearby homesteads um, to this pharmaceutical company whoa, and so i just I just thought it was really a really nice gesture that this company wanted to do with their land so it feeds their employees and the nearby families mm-hmm. to this factory and the people who were working there were so happy because it also gave mm. jobs to people oh, yeah. um, and it, it was a little bit outside of our comfort zone being next to this huge factory but it, it really did demonstrate urban farming and how it could um, bring happiness It can bring tons of food how it can bring transformation and yeah. and recovery to the environment. It was it was sort of everything you want in urban farming. It, it was right there happening.
0: It was cool. Perfect. So, I'm going to shift on you now. So, and I want to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Besides the pizza story uh-huh. of composting with pizza, the
2: times that we have Consistently failed is when we've planted too much of something. Oh yes. That that we just couldn't keep up with it. Like I think you know the first time we were planting for ketchup, (laughs) we probably planted we probably planted thirty or forty tomato plants in a very small area. (laughs) Uh That and then I left for tour. Oh my gosh. Um, so. My gal was pretty much left with a small army of friends and neighbors trying to keep up with these tomatoes, and it really was just too much. Oh yeah, it was too much. It 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 was too much product, too much tomato, too many vines. It was just way too big, too hard to handle. At this at the same time, my roommate uh, probably planted about thirty yellow crookneck squash. Oh my gosh, which. If you've ever planted those, oh, yes. you probably only need one. Right. You know? Exactly. Yep. It's such a prolific plant. So we just had this overgrowth of tomato vines. We had this overgrowth of these squash vines that, that would continue to come back the next year and the next year because we couldn't keep up with them. They went to seed. They, they and, it, and I'll add this too we also planted mint in our garden. Oh my gosh. Which you know anything about mint you probably don't want to plant you definitely <laughs> don't want to plant it in your garden yeah it's very aggressive yeah, and put it, it will pots. come back forever yeah so those three things happening simultaneously it, it just created a little bit of chaos you couldn't walk in the garden when i would come home it was it just it looked kind of beautiful but you couldn't it, you couldn't manage it yeah and so that was when we I would say we began to notice we should plant less and less. It still took us a couple of more summers to get it under control and to mm-hmm. figure it out. We're still pulling mint out of the garden today. Like <laughs> we're, we've got it to where it it kind of stops inside the fence line, but you have to, we still have to manage it on a regular basis. So I would say the mint squash and tomato debacle of 2011, 2012 was probably our biggest, uh, mistakes that we're still trying to recover from.
0: Oh, perfect. And what do you consider your biggest success?
2: I like to thank the person that I was, uh, five years ago Uh. for planting what I planted, and in fact, I was gifted a guava tree um, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and I planted it outside of my studio. And every ge- December, January, this guava tree just explodes with fruit, and it's actually two different kinds of guavas grafted onto it and it is so wonderful and so tasty and and i started to taste this fruit probably around two thousand eleven uh-huh. Um was when it first started to to fruit and around that same time I i planted a few loquat trees around my studio
0: oh, because my i was
2: gosh. drinking i was drinking this loquat syrup for my singing Uh-huh. and Scott Murray, uh, our friend, mentor farmer, he recommended that I should plant some loquat trees and maybe one day I can make my own syrup. And I like to think the person I was five years ago in 2011 because today I have so many loquats.
0: (laughs) Probably right now, right?
2: Right now. Right now. Outside of my studio, I've got these beautiful loquats and I've got two other trees that are just starting to to ripen. Uh And if you've ever had a loquat, it's like it's like an apricot meets a mango. It's yep. just so sweet and juicy, and it has these really smooth, beautiful seeds inside that are almost like little beautiful little stones that have been polished
0: by the sea. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it.
2: It's it's a, it's a, it's a magical fruit, and so so those, for example are just some of the varieties that are starting to ripen around my property. And mm-hmm. I like to think who I was 5 years ago because had I not planted those trees, I wouldn't be having this experience today. Yeah. And so I feel so successful today when I eat these loquats because I took the time to plant them and be patient as they grew and feed them each year and and just and allow them to grow. And I visit some people's homes that, you know, they live in neighborhoods where it's just lawns yep. and a couple of bushes in front of their house. And I say, Hey, you ever thought about growing fruit trees? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I, uh, it's enough to cut my grass, you know I was like, oh man, it's totally easy, like once you do it, they just do it, and you know i'm I'm all excited about fruit trees, right. like you can believe me like you can grow I pretty much describe the urban farm I'm like, uh-huh. you can grow a whole hedge right here and kind of give yourself some privacy and your neighbors can eat some of it and blah blah blah, and they're like, yeah, I don't know, I'm like telling you, man, if you start now they'll they'll grow up with your children, like your children mm. will grow up with these trees, oh that's brilliant and they'll They'll eat, you know. My a lot of my friends have babies, you know. Right. Like by the time these kids are four or five years old, they'll be able to eat from these trees. By the time they're ten, they'll just be loving these trees. Like, just like they'll be best friends with these trees. Hmm. And so, to me, my I, I I truly feel the most successful because these trees are are blooming every year. Yeah. And uh, and I and I know that everybody lives in a different area. So I, I do, when I'm in Tennessee, I'm like, find out what grows here. You yeah. know, I bet you guys can grow some really delicious apples here. You know, like I highly, highly recommend adding fruit trees to your landscape. Mm-hmm. So I feel my success is in my fruit trees. I really do. <laughs>
0: and I love that. So thank you for that. What... Well, you, you
2: helped give me the idea, man. All you right, did. Cool. You did. Thank you.
0: Cool. So what drives you? What drives me?
2: you know I'm not ashamed to admit it right now um, I mean my, my wife drives me that I love uh-huh. because I want my garden to thrive I, I want um, and and now actually we have some really great neighbors that we're sharing one of our garden spaces with Ooh, nice. and I'm growing I'm growing some summer melons and and my neighbor asked specifically for spaghetti squash she loves that so I've got a couple of spaghetti squash going so having my wife and my community to, to serve drives me, mm-hmm. but I tell you, I'm not ashamed also to admit that I'm, I'm a little driven by money right now. And what I mean by that is avocados have been failing for the last couple of years. I've been spending thousands of dollars oh. a year on labor, on water, and yep. on consultation to really make my ranch the best it can be and uh-huh. to be organic and i'm driven by i want to i want to be on the plus side again you know i'm in the negative right now because of all the investing i'm driven by i want to be on the plus side again i want to see this this little small farm that we are i want to see it succeed and i want i want it to succeed because i want it to i want to inspire my neighbors and i want to inspire young farmers with a model on how we can do it here so so, you know, it's probably not great to be inspired by the money thing, well, but I'm driven. It's a game. Yeah. It's a game for me. Well, yeah. and I'm,
0: I might propose that it's really not about the money. It's about it's having not. a prosperous space. Sure. And, yeah. Rather than, you know. Yeah. And, and part yeah. of it is that you're going to make money selling the products that you grow. Nothing wrong with that.
2: I, I Exactly, I think so. You know, and I'm thank you for turning me onto that word, prosperous, because yeah. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. Um, because I, I want to be able to pay for the water. I want to be able to pay for those that I employ. Basically, I want it to sustain itself. Because at the right. moment, my credit card sustains it. <laughs> um, but that's because we're in a time of transformation. Exactly. You know, I had to buy a lot of coffee trees. Yep. Um, and it takes a lot of labor to get those things going. But yeah. um, but things are looking up. Things are looking good.
0: And, and remember in a sustainable system, it's environment, economics, and the third pillar is my brain just went blank, but there's a third pillar. and you got to have a balance in all three of those. Exactly Social exactly. Environment, financial and social and there's got in order to have a truly sustainable system, all those have to be balanced. So Exactly. Yeah. Well,
2: that's what we're going for here. Yeah,
0: good. So I'm all about education, and I have to know what one book has been influential in this process for you in your life.
2: You know, a, a big, a big sort of uh, eye-opening book was this book called "The The World Without Us" by Alan Weisman. Oh my God! And
0: powerful. book. Do you book. know this book? Oh, I yeah. absolutely know this book.
2: Um, and I, I probably read this. Uh, around 2006, 2007, uh-huh. right when I started to be a little more health conscious and I wanted to have my own garden. Maybe, maybe the book kind of helped me decide I wanted my own garden. But anyway, it's, it's a look at our planet if all of our, if all the humans just disappeared. Right. Um, he's like, don't ask why, who cares? Let's just imagine all the humans are gone. What would the planet do how would, the, what would the future look like? Right. Everything from plastics to our um, energy systems like nuclear and the oil systems, yep. um, all of our all of our water works, how the, the migration of animals will be and, and is affected by the fencing that we put up. Oh yeah. Um, by the highways that we've built. Um, in addition to obviously the pipelines and things. Yeah. And it was just so, so fascinating that it, it really made me look at my backyard differently and the impact that I could have on my backyard, and it made me realize the um, th- how you can change the world by focusing on your backyard yeah. you know, I think the idea of being an environmentalist can be overwhelming if you think you personally are responsible for saving the rainforests. Um, but if, you know, if we look at the products that we buy, they do have a ripple effect back to that rainforest. Yeah. You know, if we look at how we treat our backyard with either the products that we use in our backyard, such as the, the roundup or the, you know, the other weed killers or the certain seeds we buy, you know, all those have a ripple effect on Mm -hmm. the on the out the planet outside of our backyard. Um, you know, the way we treat our backyard Matters and or front yard or side yard. This yeah. is urban farm we're talking about, and then it, then if we can inspire our next door neighbor to do something similar, then they will inspire their neighbor, and so on and so on and so on. Then we really can uh, impact the the planet as a whole. So so that book, The World Without Us, really gave me a better idea of the photo, sort of a photograph of the world right now and yeah. already already the huge impact we've had and and already what our legacy is and the kinds of things we need to think about to remediate that or to mitigate that, I guess, that impact.
0: Yeah. Cool. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: Hmm. Final piece of advice. Hmm. Well, I said earlier, just start. Just get started. If you live in an apartment, Try sprouting. I mm-hmm. love sprouts. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a debate on sprouts. On There's a whole debate on raw food, on whether or not, you know, but I'm not even interested in the debate because I just love the taste of sprouts. Yeah. And sprouts, you don't need direct sunlight. Um, it helps. But to get them sprouted, I mean, you can really do it the first three, four days in the dark. Um, and then after that, I just put them near a window and they turn, they start to turn green Green. and within seven days, within seven days, you've got this beautiful, thick, full tray of sprouts. I mean, I even do sprouts on my tour bus. It's that easy. Oh, of course. And so, wow. And I think, I think sprouting is a really cool way, especially for people starting to just learn how to, um, get into the habit of caring for something that's growing, Oh yes. you know? and it's right there in your kitchen. It's about the size of an iPad. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of space. Space, Yeah. Uh, And there's a whole variety of sprouts out there that you can eat that are, that are delicious. And you can, I mean, you can sprout some chickpeas and make hummus within five days. Oh my gosh. Very, very cool stuff. So yeah, just get started. What else? You know, plant a tree. If you have the opportunity to plant a tree in your life, Uh um, do it and why not make it a fruit tree because, <laughs> because that is going to be so fun. Um, yeah. Visit your local nurseries mm-hmm. see what's growing on. That'll help give you an idea of what you can grow because yeah. the nursery is in your area. Odds are you can grow it too. Visit a farmer's market. I'm, I'm giving you more than one piece of advice. No, please bring to it. To me, I make up that there's going to be all different levels of people listening. Yes. You know, people yeah. that are veterans and people that are just starting out. But, um, you know go visit your farmers markets see what they're growing see just try something see what's growing that that you've never seen before and maybe maybe that'll awaken something in you you know but but just get out there and try 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 and try again
0: (laughs) awesome (laughs) awesome awesome well thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today jason it has been a treat to chat with you Dude, it's, it's an honor for me because like I'm I'm still a student
2: at this, I really am. But it's an honor for me to share it because uh, most of the time I'm talking music and I don't get a chance to share my my other passion, which is watching
0: things grow, wow. and uh, eating tasty food. Nice. So where can our listeners get more information? Well, at the moment,
2: everything's from from me still comes through my. Facebook, My Jason Mraz Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Perfect. Um, I'm also on, on the Instagram. Um, occasionally I'll post things, pictures from my garden. Occasionally I'll post something that I might be harvesting, my different avo varieties or the loquats or et cetera. Uh-huh. So in fact, sometimes I probably post more garden stuff than I do music-related stuff. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and eventually we will probably have an official farm site or a farm social Uh, But for now, everything's just coming through my Jason Mraz music pages, JasonMraz.com, or Facebook or, you know, Twitter,
0: uh, Instagram, all that stuff. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org,
0: It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's